Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's do another KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc podcast. We'll just make it do what it do. Overcome those technical difficulties. Just do what you have to do here in uh, our world. Fellas, how are you doing? And let me go to you one at a time. Going to go, let's see, with clockwise. First person to my left. Doc. No, that's, that's, that's me. That, that, yeah. that, oh. yeah. Hey, yeah. I got to wake up. Uh, doing okay? <laughs> uh, waiting around for the holidays? Coming up? This is Going to eat a little? Going to eat a lot? Going to pass out? Go to sleep? Wake back up and watch some football, some basketball? I'm going to be all right this weekend. Eat a little more. Uh, oh, yeah. I got three pumpkin pies who and a pizza. Who are you, cup. man? You feel like folks know who you are. Well, they, they better know that, because I tell you, I'm the fifth world wildcat. Yeah. You can find me online at these social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. Uh, on SoundCloud, Blogger, YouTube. You can find me at AKSV VCSR, The College Sports Report. And I'm ready to go to Dallas for the Women's Final Four. Doc? Already, you excited. You must have got an email. Yes, I did. I got an email today. Well, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the sports professor. I'm really excited about a fruitful 2016 year, so I'm hoping that we can even take it up to the next level in 2017. So I want to uh, wish everybody out there a happy holiday. Um, And for those that uh, celebrate Christmas, a Merry Christmas, and Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa for those that uh, are diversified enough and celebrate any, uh, all of those. Uh, and we'll probably get a podcast in for that, but just in case, uh, definitely want to shout out for the new year. But we have a lot of HBC Sports updates. We have the final football game. We can announce the national champion. And for those that hadn't heard, yep. Yeah, Wack is back in the football business. Yes, I asked that question when Coach came to town at the end of the post uh, game uh, interview. So, Coach, do you think this is the time that, that this year that the Swack just won't be sending a team to play that they'll be competing and they'll act? Somebody will actually win the game. Coach said he thought about it. He said, "Yeah, we we can do that. You know, it, it can be done. You know, things fall our way." And lo and behold, Doc, I never saw that coming. You were there. Yeah, I was there. I was in the place. Many people have seen it all now. It's certainly an exciting game. Defensive matchup, which surprised a lot of people, including myself, I must admit. Uh, I thought there would be more offensive numbers, but oftentimes it happens with the small break, and you have two solid teams. It showed all year long many people talked about they were defensive. I think uh, for those that have followed this type of matchup, and including what we've seen in the MEAC the last couple of years, uh, if the SWAC representative was going to win this type of game, the fact was that they didn't have to do better on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And so quietly, we talked about Grambling being much better defensively, better defensively <laughs> this year. This year, as were some of the other teams, but they actually were quite outstanding. And if you look at statistics, it showed it out that they were top three in most categories, top one in some defensive categories, and they actually showed that. But really. The play of the game, I'll start at the end and maybe go over some other things in terms of reviewing the game. 
for those that didn't get a chance to see it. So I'll give you some highlights. And for those that did, we'll kind of review it as we would. The play of the game was actually off the field, unfortunately. A little too much celebration in the celebration bowl. Atkins, the wide receiver, uh, in his excitement of catching what we thought would be the tying touchdown for the game, obviously it sent it to 10-9, pulled off his helmet. Uh, he looks like he is a member of the Omega Sci-Fi fraternity. So he threw up the that are culturally aware on the field. He threw up the hooks. So a little too much celebration off the field. He was very off the field. But uh, he was not outside of the end zone, back inside the 35, as you say, incline, inside that line. Yeah. And he had many of his players that were yeah. celebrating with him, and it was an obvious call. They had to call it, right call. They called it. What a lot of people don't realize were people questioning, uh, you know, why did they take the penalty in terms of on the kick? Well, the defensive team, in this case, Grambling, has a choice. They can either assess the penalty on the kickoff, or they can do it on the point after try, PAT. They decided the PAT, making it a longer kick, which means that oftentimes, as you know, kickers have to adjust, yep. try to get it lower for the distance, right? Uh, and they sent somebody off the edge. And he clearly got there. He got all of his ball. Got it so much, he got that perfect du- double thud if you're the Central Eagles. At least for you, it was perfect thud if you were the Tigers. Uh, where you saw that ball bounce up, Fell into his hands, and he caught it almost in a dead run. Not enough for him to return it for two points, but the damage was done. And essentially, Grambling ran out the clock. Early in the game, uh, the Chad Williams matchup with Roy, uh, Mike Jones, I should say. As we say in East Park, Mike who? Yeah, Mike, Mike Jones. Jones. Um, he had a great defensive game against Chad Williams, shutting him down. Chad Williams did have a touchdown that many of us in the arena thought was a touchdown. They called it a touchdown on the field. They reviewed it and took it off the scoreboard, which is one of the cases. And that time, though, many people were thinking that it wasn't obvious, but obviously the referee saw something they believed and called it not a catch. The thing about Mike Jones is he he has graduated. So he's decided to take his talents to the FBS level. So he'll be transferring, so we'll let you know where that goes as he's trying to take the next step to play on Sundays, and he believes he has a better chance of doing that. Plus, he can add a second master's degree as he's finished his undergrad. So kudos to, for him to take advantage of the academic side. Hopefully that's what he will do. So we'll see because he'll be an early enrollee. So he can start those classes early, get some credits towards that master's, get it paid for. How about that? Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of action. Some of the things... Uh, off the field that you talk about as you looked at the game, people were excited, was the fact that you had a little less than attendance. Last year was 34-plus. This year was 31,000-plus. So dip down there, but where people were really excited is that the TV ratings went up 2%. I mean, went up 5% overall. Whoa. Yes. Thank Two you, Doc. See, Doc and I are on the same page because I just pulled up the article that uh, it's on HBCU Game Day com and they tweeted about it a couple days ago and I retweeted it. Um, tweet from the Celebration Bowl at Celebration Bowl says the 2016 Celebration Bowl earned a 2.0 overnight rating on ABC up 5% from last year's inaugural game. Streaming on Watch ESPN was up 54%. The data doctor, let folks know why that's important, sir. 
Yeah, that's huge when you talk about those overnight ratings. Uh, you talk about ESPN. This is an ESPN event. That's a media company. So that's why they got in this game. They looked at their numbers, and the numbers suggest that there would be uh, a crowd interested in this. They open up the season, and when you start getting to two, you're not just having HBCU fans or even African-American fans. You have a lot of other folks that are starting to watch this game, and the entertainment value is obviously there. Well, that's huge in terms of getting this game moved forward to the second contract. The first contract for six years, so it's here for a while, but these are two first-year um, numbers that are extraordinary in terms of what ESPN thought they could get, well above what they were shooting for. So this is a significant statement for what you're talking about here. So those are some numbers. And then when you get to over 50% of the streaming, which the market is going, uh, it's even more exciting for that. So don't be surprised if you start to see more HBCU football games during the regular season, at least on the streaming broadcast side of things. They play three or four games uh, during the year, and don't be surprised to see more. So these were significant, significant and, and Doc, uh, numbers in this part. Let me give you a quote from uh, John Grant, who you had on your show, correct? Yeah, he actually uh, came on the radio show mm-hmm. last week before the conference, and we actually had him on our conference, HBCU Athletic Research Co- Consortium Conference, excuse me. You can go to THG and click on HBCU Art Conference, and you can listen to that because he's joined with the commissioner of the SWAT, Dual Sharp, where they talk about an hour talking about the direction of both the Celebration Bowl and the SWAC, HBCU sports in general, HBCU football particularly, and you had a question and answer session, and you would be very intrigued about some of the questions that took place, and even more so the answers, which goes on, like I said, a total of about 100 minutes in tapes. We let the students ask some questions, the faculty ask some questions, and we had local representative leadership rep- representatives there that also asked some questions. So food for thought, again, you go to thg-agency.com, click on HBCU ARC, and you can see it right there front and center as you get there. Check out that and let me know what your thoughts are on that. Many people are talking about the interviews that went on there and excited about that panel presentation. Again, he was on the show and he was talking about how excited he was about this event and how he wanted things going in the right direction. Well done, sir. I'm going to get back to you just a second. But here's part of a quote from Mr. Grant about the, the ratings, the TV, the eyeballs. We got a great crowd here today. What we really want is to have a representative number from both schools, and we had that. But more importantly, we need an overwhelming number of eyeballs because that's how we can continue to invest in these universities through increasing the purses over the years, end quote. And that is and that is more at least to what Doc talked about with the streaming because it is the way of the future. This clean is... We were talking about just a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking about streaming being a part of the negotiating those contracts, and that's what he's alluding to. When this comes up six, you're getting these type of ratings, you can come to the table, and ESPN is gladly going to be talking about, yeah, let's increase this, let's keep this going, we like this partnership. The hotels were sold out, uh, so a lot of money was made in Atlanta. Ooh. Hotels were that were booked. Packages. They had the MEAC yeah, packages. In the uh, Marriott, you had the SWAC in the Hilton. Both places were sold out, overbooked in some cases. They had to create another place, Sheridan. You had Omni. Uh, the MEAC has their winter meetings there. Talked to with uh, Jan Blade of Delaware State, uh, the athletic director, Bethune Cookman, 
as well as John Grant, the executive director of Celebration Bowl, they want us to do a symposium, you know, similar to what we did for the conference. They want us to put that together that they are for them next year. Y'all said the NFL getting the business. They had the NFL um, program there that was huge in regards to bringing 80 people. They brought 80 students and young athletic administrators uh, to review opportunities in the NFL. And so they brought the dignitaries there. You had uh, the chief officers, uh, head of football with the Falcons. Uh, you had uh, operation size with NFL teams, NFL operations with the offices. So a lot of good stuff was going on there. A lot of people, were, frankly, were quite excited and amazed, amazed about that, as you can imagine. So uh, that was a significant uh, platform. And let me go a little bit in and give you that. This was the inaugural NFL Careers in Football Forum, which, again, as I said, introduced 80 students and entry-level athletic department administrators from 23 MEAC and SWAC institutions to career opportunities in professional football. The event featured, featured panel discussions with NFL and club executives, revenue, skill-building workshops, and a behind-the-scenes look for the football operations on game day. I was in there covering that as media, very excited, going back and forth, uh, doing what we do when we cover events, uh, we like to get it all in. Right. So I had covered the North Carolina Central in their pregame as they got it done in the Georgia Dome, came back to the Omni Hotel, covered the NFL, went back to go get Gremlins pregame interviews, came back to the Omni to close up on that. So uh, it was a full weekend. But let me tell you one other thing they did. The NFL decided to do this is to join the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, better known as the MEAC, as we say, Southwestern Athletic Conference, better known as the SWAC, at the Air Force Reserve Celebration Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. And they did this to kick off what they call the Enhanced Partnership. The initiative was the strength of HBCUs impacting pro football since 1948. We'll celebrate uh, the honor, the history, and impact of HBCUs and their players and they have a on-game at the Super Bowl. They will bring these HBCU players in and celebrate them in terms of what they've done for growing the NFL. And where is Super Bowl 51 going to be held? Right here in our backyard in Houston, Texas. Uh, here at Texas Southern, Thank I you. have a museum for the NFL to come over for fans that want to see uh, not just HBCU players that played in the game, but all uh, official NFL museum artifacts and things of that nature. So that will be interesting. So it was a big deal uh, in terms of what went on with the Celebration Bowl. Much, much more. But don't want to tie up too much time here. For those that want to get some more information, obviously you can send us some uh, tweets, texts, however you want to get it to us, and we'll give that. But the last thing I will say here, at least on the football front, is Grambling State for Dr. Gaville's Inside the HBCU Sports uh, radio show and Dr. Gaville's 2016 HBCU Major Division Football Poll Rankings. Grambling State earns all 12 votes, finish the season at 12-1, 9-0, as they win the National Black College HBCU uh, Football Championship. Well-deserved to them, getting it done. Grambling's back in the football business. you got to remember, this is a Didn't program take that had a boycott just three yep. years ago. Third year in his stint with the coach here, got him a championship. Both of these coaches in their third year, so don't be surprised if North Carolina Central is back in the business. As well as Grambling State, third year for Prairie View coach. He'll be in the business. Texas Southern, Mike Haywood, Coach Mike Haywood, Texas Southern. 
Second year, he's going to develop the program. Do not think Southern Jaguars are going any place. And then I just had word in the end of the season uh, that Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions, they'll have their full allotment of scholarships at 63. So the whole Western Division will get real ugly in a positive way. It's going to be tough, which is better for the SWAC and obviously better for the Celebration Bowl. As it should be interesting, we start talking about watch at some teams. Savannah State trending up. FAMU looks like they're trying to get back in the football business. Jackson State, second-year coach. Alabama State, uh, third-year coaches. They get back into Jenkins, figuring out what he wants to get done. It should be interesting in football season next year. Last thing I close on, you'll be excited about this, talking to some basketball business. SWAC, Texas Southern, tough losses of late, some back-to-back games. Had a close one. LSU, they were right there in the mix, could have got that game. But uh, North Carolina Central looks like they're on the trending side, moving up, played some very good basketball, close losses for what they are. But the team to watch is outside of the SWAC of MEAC, Tennessee State Tigers of the OVC. Top 25 mid-major program. Played with Duke. 10-point loss to Duke right there. Some people was laughing at that phantom call that was all over the internet. That car was horrible. That was a <laughs> that horrible was call. Uh, horrible. But, uh, they're very well, talented team. I didn't get a chance to see it, so I'm not coming. Yeah, but just, just Google it. Yeah. I mean, and we can tie it in because I do believe it involved Grayson Allen on, the, on his layup attempt. He's going for a layup. They, the ref called a foul. Tennessee State played. The guy stands and basically you know how you have to try to foul. Yeah. Or you decide to kind of you stand out the way and say, all right, he's going to make it. Let me just get out of the way. Gotcha. He goes by him. It's not touching. And Grayson and Allen is off balance. Yeah. And that's what the ref based the foul on was Grayson yeah. Allen so looking off up, balance. Tries to sell a call, and he sells it, obviously. The but real quick. And he calls a quick whistle. And the guy look at him like, Literally, he flies by me. I didn't touch you. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, if you're still checking us out on our Facebook Live show, ask a question, sir. He, he welcomed us back with his What's Up Fellas, but ask a question. See if he has anything for the Wildcat or Doc or, or me to chime in. So we'll see. Give him a few seconds to see how fast his typing skills are. Certainly. Talk about so. the UIL state championships. Doc, I'm going to say this to the Houston folks because – we need to get back in the football business. We need to get back in the football business. I don't care if it's a HISD school. I don't care who it is, but damn it. Somebody. Somebody. Got to merge. So, somebody got to do something. Cause yeah, they need to merge. That, HISD. I mean, yeah, it was a it's, it's a it was a highlight game of the night, and Willis didn't show up. They weren't ready. That, mentally, they was happy where they were, and that was, and, and, that was, and it showed. Travis jumped out on them right quick, and they just never let up off the gas, and Willis never recovered. They looked like they were in a fog all night. Um, they tried to do some things, just couldn't move the ball. They couldn't make, uh, uh, couldn't even get get plays and all. It was always somebody defensively that was in uh, Smith's face. Coach uh, uh, Darrell Artisan and, and I thought the coach after the game was over with. That was a and then it was also a big, large cattle call um, that we asked a lot of questions. And we were more interested in, you know, in, in the Woodlands because they're the Woodlands. And, you know, they're from Houston. We, we're the Houston media. He, 
talked to, you know talked about the sins and, and stuff and you know about getting getting that to Dallas and trying to make some adjustments all at halftime but it's same same story same ending the, the first four minutes of the second half <coughs> excuse me Travis got back into the foot uh, he just got back after him as quickly as possible to not give him any shot and the the, the touchdowns that the Willis scored on it was almost second thought that you know that we gonna leave here with something, and that was pretty much it. Um, I had to give him a lot of credit, you know, for for getting there, getting there. But I don't like just getting there. I'm like one of my mentors, or two of my mentors, you know, just you getting there. Do like where's on start? Get uh, it done. Yeah, you bowling. We got to go out to the orange. You know, and, and I talked to somebody about that too, um, and they said we may have to go back to start claiming the uh, golden triangle. <laughs> I was like, I hope not. I really hope not. Well, speaking of getting things done and not getting things done, well, it's tough. Me. Thing I did before oh, we Doc, go out, still my thunder, Doc. Go ahead. Go ahead. One other thing I want to do before we leave. Yeah, do that, Doc. Is the fact that I would be remiss if I didn't shout out the Timber Wildcats that surprised everybody in a nice deep run as it ran out against. Dallas Highland Park. A lot of people are watching this game. I don't think it was necessary because my brother Kwame Cavill was assistant coach, wide receiver coach to be specific. But Dallas Highline Park had a quarterback that a lot of people were buzzing about. You know which one, though? Who is he? The grandson. Of grandson. And uh, you, you, you know who is? You know, who, you know who works with him on a regular basis? Who is that? That that, that 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 guy that's sitting on the bench in the, in the, with the stars on his shoulder. <laughs> that robo guy. Uh, it, I, I will have to admit, Doc. He looked like a seasoned veteran. He looked like he knew what he was doing. I, I, I'll admit to that. Uh, he was calm. He he was he basically surveyed the land. And when he needed to make yeah, plays, he had a big plays. In a lot of ways, Temple had put up the offensive numbers, right. to get it done. But he made the key plays. <laughs> plays so yeah. give him credit for that. And we're talking about Jones, uh, uh, the, the grandson of the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, right. Jerry Jones. Yes, as they were all in there in the suites watching the game. So he brings home a trophy, and, and it'll be interesting because he'll be back. He's just a junior yeah. to get it done. But I was talking about Kwame Cobell, the wide receiver coach. He had two wide receivers. Well, actually, three wide receivers See, that finished top in the district. Right. Uh, one, two, and three. Uh, two of them had over 1,000 yards. Really excited for them. And they were both juniors. And in the game before uh, the Dallas Highland game, both of those wide receivers went over 100 yards and a touchdown apiece as they made it to the championship game. So I was really excited about what he is. I'm actually, Does he want to come to U of H? Join a uh, Major up white staff. I'll reach out to him and see if he's. In, I'm sure he'd be interested to look at opportunities like that. Uh, he's a talent. I can tell you this: uh, you're not going to get anybody that's going to work as hard as him. Uh, you're talking about somebody that's recruiting that breeds and players, and you're telling by the players he get. He knows how to get players to take the next step. And this is a guy that played at the highest level, played in the NFL, uh, played several years in the Canadian Football League. So he knows his craft. He knows how to de- de- uh, develop wide receivers. In fact. One of the wide receivers that there a couple of years ago went to Grambling and was part of the championship team in Grambling. Let you know full circle that he develops uh, championship championship players. Every time he's been in the high school, his team has gone uh, further than they ever gone in a while. So let you know that he's about winning. Before we sign off on our Facebook Live, it's time for me to talk. Since we talk about Major Applewhite, 
his uh, head coaching debut at UVH was in the in the bowl game, and the offense looked like trash in the 34 to 10 loss to San Diego State. It started off so well. It did, and then they seemed disinterested. And uh, me and fellow alums were at uh, a local establishment downtown, sharing some refreshments, some water, and some food. Oh, and, come on uh, now. Come on now. So, yes, I had. We're all adults. I had here. about six or seven cups of water. <laughs> we all adults now. Uh, car- we all adults. Car- carbonated water. We all adults. We I'm just saying. We had, let's see, the six of us in the group. I think we had four or five buckets of, buckets of water. Um, we all adults. I don't want to plug. We had some beer. I'm not gonna plug the sponsor because they had not sponsored our podcast. So if we get a, a sponsor of a podcast, then I'll give I'll give you a plug on, on what, the beer that we were drinking. Now they know. So yes, we do like to drink beer. So uh, the, we were disappointed in the showing. The second half was really underwhelming. Was it a group watching? When, when yeah, it was, the it was alumni. The establishment. Yeah. Yeah, U of H alums gathered at, at this place to, to uh, okay. watch. Okay. We were all had on my U of H socks that I just got in the mail like two days earlier. <laughs> So, so you, you know, so I was. I was so you red and white out. I was, but I wasn't happy with the hire of Major Applewhite, and some of us in the group weren't either, because we're not convinced Major is a great offensive mind. Can get things done offensively, because as what he saw these two years under Tom Herman, the offense had stops, starts and stops, and we were just questioning, questioning his play calling in certain situations, and it was too inconsistent. Now we'll have to see if he can build his his ties to the Texas and coaching high school ranks yeah. and bring some of that talent that will here one thing to U of H. think he'd be able to do is bring the talent there. He's going to have ties to the high schools. You you think he he would get a respect at that level, but can he continue what has been done in the past in terms of really getting some solid players and more important, what U of H wants is for that to go to the next level, and I think that'll be interesting to see. Bottom line, we know the game. Uh, he should be able to manage. We'll see what that level, but really where he's going to cut his teeth is can he get, as we just alluded to, can he get solid coaches in there? Yeah. Can he put his staff together? Because I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I, I made my, uh, uh, my knowledge known that I was pushing for Les Miles to get the job because I wanted a, season, I wanted a senior, seasoned guy that wasn't going in the way anytime soon and that was going to put a staff together Secondly, and he was going to put a staff together with somebody in waiting. I, I looked at it because one thing about it, Les can and recruit re- exactly this recruiting wise. He can put he can get some players. He can he, get he some put a lockdown on this area. He can he can go in a house yeah, and he, he can say it. Hard to argue against He can. That's that, that was my reasoning for wanting him. I I don't know how everybody else felt, but that was my reasoning for and that, that and I I, I well, was told that that was solid ground. Well, you. Me and some of my alums, we we uh, we share that same sentiment. Now the word leaked out that his interview wasn't great, and he he kind of uh, coach Miles basically, you know, well, it's off the record kind of stuff. But basically, but I know he it, he it, wasn't as prepared as you would liked. I thought well, he'd be. You know. no, 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 to him doing his interviews and stuff like that, he is not the best person in doing interviews. Have, that doesn't surprise that, me. Yeah. And I think some people may have read that wrong as if he's ever been prepared. I think the, where you look at him is as if what you are looking yeah. can he go get the players? And but can he hold you know, different people want different things at different times. So sometimes uh in that manner he probably wasn't a good fit. Well, I'm gonna say this and because we're, we're about to sign off Facebook Live. All right, it's, it on, the, on I'm gonna make this quick. A coach 
was up for a job at Cal Berkeley years ago before he ever got going and building a real resume. And because, and we all know Cal Berkeley is one of those institutions where, you know, it's a, a lot of uh, hotty toddy. The gentleman wasn't able to, as, 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 like, as, as referred to Les Miles, wasn't able to express himself well in the interview process. But they did it on the impromptu plane, you know, airport. So to say the least, the guy didn't get the job. But he went back to uh, the Mid-Atlanta, got the job in a, at SEC, and had to say the rest is history. And this person I'm talking about is Steve Spurrier. I remember that. And with that, we're going to sign off Facebook Live and get back on the audio. Because uh, here we go. Thank you, very, thank you very much for checking us out. Later. Well, I tell you yeah, what. I think that's going to be interesting to hire. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they go from that. But I think your points that you're making uh, are very intriguing. And I think at the end of the day, one thing that Apple White was able to do is really impress at the interview level. And we'll see if the folks calling the shots know what to do. The person that I know, the Apple White that I know, he is a prepared person. I mean, he, he just he just is. Yeah, he's, it, always, he's, he's always he's always been always that way. Been That's how he's been successful because he's been able to prepare better than most and, in regards to what he has to do. So uh, credit to him mm-hmm. for getting it done. Again, at the end of the day, this yeah. is a, a no nonsense sense type of business. Well it doesn't matter what he what he how he interviews. One, one thing it's is gonna sure. be about whether he can get the W's. And one, we know in terms of getting the W's it's gonna be about whether he can get the players in. One thing we'll find out relatively in a short period of time can he do that. One thing is for sure. The gentleman that's signing that's helped signing checks that was in charge of this process, uh Mr Fatita, he bas he said that day at the podium don't forget, we fired a guy for being eight and three. We let him go. You know, and, and, and eight and five, but yeah, it that's was, that's it was that's and it was justified too. And it, it was. Uh, Apple it can be done. salary is he's getting one point three five. It's a five year deal today, uh, Thursday. He named five folks to his staff. Uh, James Casey, former Texans tight end, will be the tight ends coach. He hired uh, Clay Jennings and A.J. Blum as the program's co-defensive coordinators slash secondary coach, as well as defensive line coach. And then two more hires in the football operations area for U of H. A little bit about um, who was the coach? I'm going to get it correct here. Uh, coach Blum was co-assistant head coach and co-defensive coordinator at Westfield High School where he worked specifically with the defensive line, developing several players into FBS talent, including some young man who's racked up like eight first-team All-American awards, you know, Ed Oliver. So uh, maybe I, Coach Blum has those things to him about defensive line play, <laughs> and he can help bring in some more talent like Ed Oliver. Cause I'll tell you what, if he get another one like that, Y'all really in the football business. So that's that's a good thing. I mean, there. literally, y'all are because you have definitely stepped up the, stepped up the line. The one that uh, several things happened this off season, and I must admit, after looking at you know, and all the finishing of who got jobs and all in the in the, in the conference in the American conference because that's what it is now. It's a football conference. They have some coaches. 
that conference is going. That, that high. That, that, that high. That, they got a that new, new one at uh, USF too. You know, it's, Charlie Strong. Yeah, and trust me, whatever move was, was was done to make that move, man, it's gonna be some recruiting out the battles are down there. Yeah, that, you look at the the program. You look at the coaches in the state of Florida. I think some of those SEC schools outside of maybe like Alabama and even Alabama, boy, it's gotten rough. Because you know a lot of people like to get players out of the state of Florida. Oh yeah. Well, now you have players that believe they can get to the next level and stay in state with a family. And and that is I don't a know big how many key. Going to get out of that. I mean, you got. We talking about the current coaches. Oh yeah. Florida, they are what they are. Florida State, Miami. They are what they are. USF. You got Miami. Rick, you got a brand name. UCF. Yep. Yeah. Southern Florida. Yeah. You even got Florida International. Yep. And And Kiffin. Surprised a lot of folks taking that job. Yeah. At FIU. And I'm telling you, that that was huge. That was huge. That's a huge move. And he's in the Conference USA, so he may not be there long. But he'll be there long but enough if, to, if to make a difference. If he's hired somewhere else, that means he did a good job at FIU right. and put Which them on the map. They should be able to go get another good coach. Oh, yeah. Because because one thing about it, when you make a job hot, you can you can always find you somebody. Yeah. Always find you somebody. And that's what U of H is in. Back with yeah. U of H. What, yep. Three of the last four coaches. Yeah. That's right. It don't get no better than that. So the two other hires I overlooked the press release with Marcus Tubbs was named Programs. UFH's assistant athletics director for football operations, and Nelly Gomez was named director of football internal operations. Marcus Tubbs worked at the University of Texas previously for the eight for eight seasons. So uh, major major has some brought somebody from UT to Houston as opposed to UT taking all the folks Herman took right. with five, six, seven people from U of H staff up there with with him to Austin. And this guy, he was able to put up with along with Charlie Strong. They brought some talent in Texas. So that's a, that's, that should be a good move. They, he, they he only know some uh, players out there and where to go get them. The only question I have, who does he get to replace? He was in, he was playing yes, McKnight. He played in the league. That, that, that'll be, that, that's my, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Oh. Strength coach, Anthony McKnight. It was, it was yeah, a, the off-season guy. Yep. You know, you know, strength coaches always keep anybody that hey. studies the back door. Oh yeah, you know, I told you, it, 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 when that when that staff got put together the first time, your all operations, offensive, defensive coordinators, mm-hmm. obviously, is your strength coach. Because mm-hmm. remember, I mentioned that uh, when that when that staff got put first got put together, it, it all predicated around one person. I was waiting to get hired. That was Yancey. That's a key because doc, if all season workouts. They will pass you for the season, and you don't have a whole lot. U of H went this season with not a whole lot of injuries, uh, serious injuries, you know, lingering. Guys were like, miss a week, you know, uh, they were able to bounce back on a, on a quickly on a, on a uh, week-to-week basis. Except for, the, except for the concussions. Right. Yeah, now that's – that's, that's, that's practicing too hard. Right. Too much in pads work. Yeah. You know, and we'll see if Herman lightens up on that in Austin – and see if you learn from from that here at U of H because concussion ain't no joke, you know. No, no we we all. So we'll see how he how he handles himself, handles the team in the workouts Everyone's. up there, up there in that land there, whatever. Because now he's up there. Got to get it right. I couldn't really care less about him anymore. So anyhow, we touched on Grayson Allen 
a little bit for Duke in the, in the matchup in the Phantom Call versus Tennessee State. Well, Wednesday night, uh, Grayson Allen intentionally tripped a player at Elon. This is the third time this year, not this season, but this calendar year, that Grayson Allen has tripped a player. And uh, after he got a technical foul, he went to the bench. He had a temper tantrum like a child on the bench, throwing his towel down and and um, losing control. Wednesday night, uh, Coach K. Mysterzewski's post-game press conference was kind of chippy, arrogant. Oh, so it went beyond chippy. So it, it, it and it came across as if. You know, he knows the best for his team, knows the best for Duke basketball, and those, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And many of us acted, thought that he wasn't going to take any action to spin Grace Now. He wasn't. Somebody from above him made that. You know, that's what I he think happened, too. It. So, because during halftime of Louisville, Kentucky basketball game, Duke legend Jason Williams, who was an analyst for ESPN, was irate. At Grayson Allen, and he he said right there that he should be suspended five games. It's like I said, this is the third time this has happened. Uh, Grayson Allen needs to be taught a lesson, and he is ashamed, you know, as a Duke player that this is allowed to, if this is allowed to continue without any repercussions. Well, Thursday morning, Duke announced that Grayson Allen has been suspended indefinitely. I'm not sure how long indefinite means, but once it comes down. As a, Actually, on this side, it's pretty smart because they don't have they can do. Whatever the, the first game is the next. The next game is uh, December thirty first conference game versus Virginia Tech. Here's, here's a few quotes uh, from Coach K. As a program, we needed to take further steps regarding his actions that do not meet the standards of Duke basketball. To that end, we are determined that Grayson will be suspended from competition for an indefinite amount of time. He went on. Coach K went on a Dan Patrick show the really better Dan Patrick as opposed to the state politician <clears throat> in Texas. Uh, I, trust more, me, I, I, more, more I, quotes, I hope everybody understood. This well, that's the case. Some folks, you know, may not know. Coach K, told, mm-hmm. Coach K told Dan Patrick, it's a learning experience. I'm going to use it as that, as a teaching moment. And a teaching moment does not stop by giving one game or maybe that's what it is. I don't know that right now. Maybe it's three games. Maybe it's two weeks. I don't know. He won't play until I feel good about the entire situation and where he is at. That's my responsibility as his coach and as a teacher of young men, end quote. Now, after the game, Grayson was interviewed by the media. Um, he, he apologized. He cried. He's, there's a quote from him. I made a really bad play. I'm sorry to him. The young man's name is Santa Ana. Plays for Elon. I'm sorry to the officials who had to call that. I'm sorry to my team. It was selfish and taking away from them. I'm not proud of that at all. End quote. He has he has a, a temper tantrum. Yeah, a temper problem. He needs he needs to get yeah, that, that taken care of. Some concern when you look yeah. at that on video. Even outside of those that may not like Duke or want to get in terms of what was the right thing to do by coach, I was more concerned about um, not just that he did it again. That's one thing. But how he reacted on the bench, yeah, uh, to me should be concerning to some people. And that was, you know, it, it really was. He didn't really control himself. He, he, he leaves around to control his emotions. How he dealt yep. with the questions in the interview, where he had his head down, 
it, it was to me a sincere apology, you know, for what that is. But it's just the fact that he's at some point seems to almost lose control on the basketball court. And so to me, this is less about who he is, like I would do any athlete. So I'm in the same framework that I always said. I really have a concern about um, his his health. Yes. Uh, from a mental aspect. Not to say that he has mental problems. I want to make no, sure no, that's sure. clear. But just mentally where his state of mind is to kind of go through that wide up and down show of emotion over that period of time. And, and Coach K did touch on that because he said he didn't see Grayson Allen's uh, – Timber chance him on the on the sideline because Grayson put him back in the game in the second half, and Coach K said once again to, to uh, Dan Patrick, "Yeah, then if I would have known even more about it, emotionally he wasn't ready. I didn't start him in the second half. Uh, then when I saw him on the court, he looked like a ghost. I didn't realize the emotional thing he had gotten through to the depth until I saw it on tape. Obviously, if I would have seen that in person, then I would have done something different." I would have. I worry about him because obviously the impact it has had on him at a very, very deep level, and so that's very concerning to me. I've been in constant touch with Grayson and making sure he's okay and we, that we are taking steps. So that sounds like they're going to try to get him some help. So, and he, and I think he needs it. And I think he's finally acknowledged that he does need some help. And so maybe this time away, if he uses it constructively, will help him. Yeah, this kid has the ability to have a future. Oh, yeah. And not to say that we all in talking about his future is bigger than somebody else just because he can play at the professional level. But because he has that ability, I think it's important that we give young players, not just Grayson Allen because he had he's out there in the forefront and get it, but really I think we as a society, particularly those that talk about sports at this level, uh, it's, it's up to us to push the issue to make sure that we – uh, surround these kids with as much of a positive framing that allows them to become productive citizens. We've seen some of the negative aspects over the last couple of weeks in terms of what's taken on. So um, this is a changing landscape. And sometimes I don't think we realize how much of the professional side that we've made collegiate athletics, and to some degree I would even argue at the high school level. So when we do that, we need to make sure that we surround these individuals with the opportunity to get the best framing of moving forward of how they will handle themselves as they matriculate through life in general. Eight miles away on Tobacco Road, North Carolina again faces NCA extra benefits charge in its academic case. The NCA has issued yet another amended notice of allegations stemming from the academic scandal at the University of North Carolina, and the new charge could lead to serious consequences for the men's basketball team. I believe that if and when it happens. That's just my add on that because this has been the, this is the third NCAA notice. NCA is going to get real mad, so that means they're going to uh, hurt PV or, or Southern or somebody in the swack <laughs> instead of punishing North Carolina. Southern better watch out. Did they get a warning? The NCA's new allegations included <laughs> extra that. benefit charge involving men's basketball and a and cover a period from the 2002-2003 season through the 2010-2011 season. The Tar Heels won championships, national championships in 2005 and 2009. If the NCAA, through its committee on infractions, concludes that some of the players on that team 
received extra benefits, they could be deemed ineligible, which could lead to serious charges, including potentially vacating those titles. The NTA argues that the sham courses constitute extra benefits because the university used its relationship with two African-American studies professors to, quote, obtain and or provide special arrangements to student-athletes in violation of extra benefit legislation, end quote. The new, new, the new notice additionally claims that, quote, many at-risk student-athletes, particularly in the sports of football and men's basketball, use these courses for ensuring their continuing NCAA eligibility, end quote. But North Carolina's athletic director, Bubba Cunningham, said on a conference call that he believes that the NCAA is operating outside of its own bylaws by both issuing and amending this third notice. Quote, you can't chase things because you have an opinion. According to Cunningham, you have to follow the bylaws. That's the standard we are held to and we expect to live by those as well. We've seen recently the NCAA has chased after some other schools and went outside of their own process and that hasn't worked out very well, end quote. Hmm. So like I said, we'll see how, what happens. Just a drag out another season or two. And, and probably what they end up doing is, is hammering the women's basketball program at North Carolina rather than the men's program. I'm sure that's probably about what's going to happen. It's, it's funny how those things work out like that. But So problems at Duke, problems at North Carolina. NC State men's basketball isn't doing that, that great. Nationally, we're going to talk about the Rockets, Woodley's favorite topic. The Rockets still rolling, winners of 11 or 12 games, 22 and 8. I'm going to say something and then I'm going to let you ramble on. Uh, Oh, ramble. Not about about, about this. Rice had a visitor the other night at the Northwestern State game. Uh, Besides you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) There was a visitor there. Was Mr. Harden there? Yeah. He and some of his crew came by and watched and watched the game for a little bit. That's because U of H wasn't wasn't playing then. Uh, uh, That's why that was. The crowd was just, they got a little excited. Yeah, man, act like yeah. Basketball players speed picked up in the game. It was almost like I want impressed now. But well, uh, was he impressed? No, Rice won the game. Yeah. How did Zeke do? How did he look? He got twenty. Uh, Zeke, uh, Zeke Woodley, we're talking about. He hurt his wrist uh, midway the game. And uh, set up for uh, uh, quite a while. Got taped up and came back in and finished with 20. It's a high scoring game, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Rice now is averaging over 80 points a game. Uh, I, I will say this I'm going by and swatch some exciting basketball on the college level beside TSU. Uh, St. Thomas University has the Robinson kids from uh, San Houston State, the Twins. Those two, that one-two guard tandem last night that I saw against Rice, against Rice, mm-hmm. they gonna create some, they gonna create some havoc. When they speed the game up, they speed the game up. I mean, it's running, it's, it's going, it's, they got the pedal to the metal and it's moving fast. It's moving fast. Rice is ten and three. Is that right? Yeah, it's first time since uh, you and I watched a couple of kids a uh, while back. Uh, They're not that good yet, though. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, they're a long level. way. Yeah, not on that level yet. But th- what th- what they have done is they've gotten better as a unit. 
they trust each other now. They spend time in the gym working on that game. Uh, that post play is, is, is okay. It's not good yet. We got Igor and, and Marcus. Now, oh, speaking of Igor, hey. as of last night, I'm waiting on the, the, the stats and all to come in tonight. As of last night, Igor was tied for first place in three-point field goal percentage in NC2A. He's a heck of a player. That's a nice one uh, combination with him, him and Marcus. He, one thing is for sure. He's going to be another one that's going to get to the next level because he he's got tools and all that's going to get him there. And the fact that he can put shots up, folks in his face, he can come off a screen, pick, you pass it to him, he can turn and shoot, he can pull up and, and, and drop it down, and his field goal percentage is pretty high. Uh, this team works hard on defense as a group. They will win some games now. The question, just like you asked Coach Sampson, the question, you know, is this the year that you're going to make a move uh, as far as the team going to postseason play? The question was asked last night to uh, Coach Rose. And he said? He said, uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. I won't, he, won't, he, he basically said he won't do it until after the first uh, uh, couple of games in conference play because they're on the road. Oh, the menu first on New Year's Eve and at Charlotte. Yeah. He said he'll know when they get back home, he'll know that. He'll, he'll, he'll know where they're headed at. But right now, yeah, they, they, they're in a good they're, place. They're 10 and 3. You have 8 to 9 and 2. And looking at the schedule and on we can't get Rice's them to website, I don't see the U of H name on here anywhere. Hmm. I see Rice has played TSU. Rice has played HBU. Rice has played. Um, Stephen F. Austin writes the play saying Thomas. I don't see you right on here. What the hell is up with that? And somebody from the Chronicle asked that question last night to, to me. I said, well, one thing for sure, it's got to be pushed. I said, somebody's going to have to threaten somebody. So Rice has played all these local area teams and played U of H. And I'm pretty sure that's not because Rice hasn't contacted U of H. My alma mater. U of H is 9-2. and two. U of H was... Was uh, having a struggle, struggle last Wednesday night with Liberty. It was a two-point game. You're talking about Liberty University, Liberty. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a two-point game. Roughly eleven minutes. Well, maybe a four-point game. Eleven minutes left in the game in second half. Liberty didn't score a point. The last ten minutes, fifty-nine seconds. Was it because not of, a point? Was it defensively that they were getting dogged? And they weren't in a position to, to score or what? They were hot from the three-point line the first 29 minutes of the game, and then it just couldn't cooled off, couldn't hit that. nothing. But let me – let me I tweeted this. Don't digress now because – Oh, no, no. I, I'm a, I got – because I'm going to talk about a few things about U of H and their schedule because it ain't what I – like I said, who Rice has played locally. I'm going to tell you what U of H has done. All right, then, because HBU is another one that has gone out and played some So uh, U of H has played thus far – Morgan State, they were in the they won the Gulf Coast Showcase in Florida yeah. versus George Mason, South Dakota, and Vermont. Home game they beat Cornell, got blasted at LSU, thumped Prairie View at Hall Fines, got blasted at Arkansas. Best win thus far this season was a home win over over Rhode Island. Side out Rhode Island team. Rhode Island was ranked at one point this season, receiving votes. Mm-hmm. Um, on the 17th of this month, they beat Rio Grande Valley, and then on 21st, they thumped Liberty. Interesting. Home game, home game wise, tell me about any of those that impressed you, that the fans want to see. 
Cornell. Rhode Island would have been the only one for me. Cornell, Rhode Island, well, Rio Grande Valley, Liberty. Yeah, Rhode Island would have been it for me. I'm going to be honest. Morgan State. Home fans, fans don't know any about, any about these teams. No. Friday night. Cornell being an Ivy League school. Fans know. don't care. Fan local. No, this is not this, covering that because you have interest. This is yeah. This is not a this is not a basketball fan. town. This is not a basketball but, town. But fans don't no, squat about and, and Cornell. No, and, no. The only reason no. I mention them is just because of what you just said. It's an education thing. But that's not a fan thing. It won't put butts in the seats. Right. But but Rhode Island would have been you the only team. From a perspective of wanting to see and cover, we talking about fan. None of those. Okay. And, but, and but Rhode Island would have been it. Though. Friday's game will be at ESPN two seven o'clock. Tip off Hawkeyes Van versus Harvard. Fans don't know squad about Harvard. No. <laughs> Harvard is, is a nice solid team. Oh, they tournament. Fans like don't fans don't don't fans know squad about Harvard. Not your dinner fans, your hardcore fans. I, I, and it's ugly sweater contest, apparently, game. Oh, my uh, goodness. Friday night at Hall Finals in the game against Harvard. And, I'm, and I mean this truly because I know U of H folks listen to these podcasts. If you want fans and butts inside Hall Finals Pavilion, which will soon to be once renovated, the Fertitta Center. You gotta play people, opponents that fans, local, your alums, students, know, recognize, and want to see. These teams ain't it. And and you know, and Coach Sampson is right when he said in post game press conferences about certain teams, the elite teams don't want to come here for, don't want to agree to to one and one matchups. And. You know, you Sometimes need to get people. Thank you. you if you want board. attendance to grow and increase, they're winning games. You're ready to win a game. Like I said, they're nine and two. But these home up, these opponents at home, do not move the meter for fans. Hell, they don't move the meter for media to cover you. Because, and I'm an alum. I I watched Louisville, Kentucky last night. I want to go and see Louisville play Liberty. Hey, it happens. That's real talk. It happens. I'll be at the game tomorrow because it's a Friday. It's ESPN two in Harvard, and plus I don't believe there's another game, big time matchup, big time matchup on that Friday tomorrow. Because if it were before match. conference of play, I would be at a, watching that game on TV. <laughs> you gotta do a better job scheduling opponents at home. And with Rice starting to win, and Coach Rose has got that program going in the right direction. Yep. TSU yeah. is winning. They hit the hit the wall because they played better competition on the road toward the end of this this road trip. But now you need to play TSU at home. They are a, a, a consistent having a, a, getting an opportunity to play in postseason play. National media recognize right now. There's been more talk nationally about TSU than men U of H. And that's why you gotta you gotta correct that. Now some of that you, is because you, of uh, the high flying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Derek yeah. Griffin. Derek Griffin was ESPN supposed to be in the top ten for, for one of his dunks. Twice even, in two. You know, weeks. twice two weeks. Man, that's a TSU player. Like I said, TSU is getting more national recognition, national exposure yeah. than U of H. Better schedule. But the ironic thing oh, is, no. yes. <laughs> the, but the ironic thing is, guess where U of H's RPI was as a Monday. It wasn't. It wasn't high. I, uh, uh, yes. Uh, wait, yes. 
Hold up. That's how many teams in the, in the, in, oh, no, in, that's in the division? I, I'm now, now, on the serious side, how many teams are in that division one? Uh, uh, 315, and I promise you. Okay, now. Now, I because promise you gave you, me a number. You, to, you're you going to be you, shocked when I tell you. you. You gave me a number to look at. 309? Nope. Lower? Because if it's higher than 309. What did I just say? You will be shocked when I tell you what it was. It's, it is no way it's higher than Alright, help me. Uh, 275? You're not even close, Wildcat. You're not even close. So, uh, it's, it's, oh, it is no way. It's less they, than 200? Let me pull up because NCAA has done it. Yeah, because uh, they should have put the new one out this okay, week. Okay, so yeah, so they, and apparently they do it daily now because are getting close to conference play. But yes, hmm. as of today, it is 51. Huh? You talking about they got a tournament Yesterday, number? it was 37. They got a tournament well, before, number? Yeah. They got a Liberty tournament was, number? RPI was 305 or something. That, that hurt them. Three, at 50 so right now, that's a tournament 51, number. Not really. You got to get probably 40 and, and better. But TSU's RPI is 55. Wow. Better opponents. Oh. And TSU is, TSU is 4 and 9. You raised 9 and 2. You get eight fifty one, TCU fifty five. Better opponents. Uh, so don't don't give me this spin about teams don't want to play us come to Hall Fines because they don't want to do the one on one. They don't want to. Do you gotta bite the bullet, man. Either you want fans to come see your your team play or, or you get, or you don't. Because if you if you don't. They continue playing these teams. The fans don't know who they are. Well, I think at some point he also needs to make a calculated decision where he might go on the road to play, you know, two or three really good teams, even if he's going to play some of these. And as he moves U of H up the ladder, now it won't hurt those teams to come in here and play him and take the chance of playing a matchup where they could possibly leave with a loss. So they might he might have to take some calculated risks and say, all right, let me bite the bullet and make. Now he has said that there is, I don't know if it's been signed at the time, but he mentioned it a uh, about ten days ago. An agreement with LSU is in the works about to continue their their deal. Imagine you raise and LSU should play every year, just rotate you know here at Baton Rouge every year. That should happen. Okay. And I think that's going to happen. That's good. That's one. Give me two more. Stop playing. Has, has Rio gone. Grande Valley and you know what Liberty I'm surprised that he can't get SEC schools coming here. Uh, it, uh, what's the name at the you know they may not necessarily do much for you in terms of APR it'll be safe on the on on, on the on the RPI I should say but it's, you can still do Alabama huh? that that men's basketball program is is, is, is okay it's not it's well not that's like, what I said I'm surprised that because uh, I take a chance on the plan that's now. what I'm saying SEC schools would come on play over A&M is an SEC would, they wouldn't mind coming in here to be able to try to get some of the recruits uh, out you of know, here because yes. of what you and just said it would be more exciting to the fans in terms of least name recognition in terms of institution not necessarily that high I mean I'm not talking about the Kentuckys oh no I'm not even no. you know, I'm talking yeah. about Mississippi State bringing in yes. LSU as you talked about Play A and M once every. They should play, and I and trust me as an as an alum, I know there's just dodging of U of H to come here, you know, by certain schools in Texas. But yeah, I, and that I, ain't I, every year. 
I can see why why they wouldn't necessarily do it. But like I said, at first it mean it, I can see how it would be challenging not to be able to get Texas, Texas and A&M on the schedule. A&M not so much because they're winning, so you think they would come here. But they have the ability to play these other games at at Toyota Center. Toyota Center. Right. And that's not my point. Not like this past you week. work on those later. Yeah. You don't have to get those immediately. But I'm saying there's SEC schools. Sure. That fans would be more excited about seeing that you name it's recognition. Difficult for me to believe that you can't get a home and home with Georgia. Sure. You can't get a home and home with Alabama. Uh, 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 you can't get, as he said, it looks like they're working one with LSU, but a Mississippi State. Those were Arkansas that would add do as well. Arkansas. Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If you want to go to the Big Twelve, Vanderbilt Texas has Tech. a large alumni here. I know that for a fact. Texas Tech, TCU, which is, is turned it around real quick. Imagine you get a good head coach with connections, which you can do at TCU. TCU. Exactly. Stephen F. Austin played Rice. Correct? Yeah. Stephen F. Austin been to the tournament. Yeah. The big tournament. Where you're trying to go. Stop scheduling Prairie View every year at Hawfines. <laughs> Put some money in their pocket, man. It ain't a whole lot. You basically need some money. <laughs> I know. I, I'm here to tell you that for a fact. You basically need some money. Stop scheduling UT Rio Grande Valley. Stop scheduling Liberty. Stop scheduling Harvard, Cornell. What about AM Corpus Christi? How about them? They play some ball down there. Yeah, they sure do. Have a local connection at the head coach. Hell, on the staff. Coach Rim is on staff there, too. Really? Yeah, he is. So. You give me these excuses, and then you wonder why you don't have good attendance. Seriously? But yes, as of today, December 21st, U of H's RPI is 51. It was as high as 37. Hmm. And it, let's see. Like I said, TSU is, is 55. Let me look up Bryce real quick. Rice is at 169. I can believe that. So, uh, so trust yeah. me though, they it hit the now Coach Rose did mention this in the post game uh, that uh, it they are in the process of getting to the point to where they will be scheduling up. Yes, because he knows in order for them to get to where they or where they need to go or where they where they're looking to go, they've got to schedule up. And they've got it. It's, it's not about you know trying to get a, a home and home situation. It's about getting a game. Thank you. And that's all I'm saying about U of H. That's 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 the bottom line right there. Rockets are 22 and eight. Got a tough game, road game Friday against Memphis. Memphis embarrassed my Pistons Wednesday night. Boy, Marcus all put on a show last night. Let me tell you, my goodness, he was he stepped in the zone, put up a couch, took a residence, watched some TV. He lived <laughs> in the zone all game long. He was, I think. 14 for 17, something like that from the floor. He was making turnaround, jump shots, step back shot, three pointers. It was a when a fight to behold. When a big man can make that step back, you in trouble. He oh, it was just great watching a skilled big man do some work in the NBA because it's, it's a lost art, it's a dying Brilliant. thing to see a big man with some skills scoring yeah. post. That's right. Yeah, it's, and that's and I call that to. At a young age, somebody didn't want to teach that. We saw Mark Gasol here years ago in the Academy National Invitational. High school tournament. Nice. Fat kid, out of shape. Yep. 
Dog, he was as big as this building. Six. I mean, he was huge. huge. And, and coaches was like, that kid ain't going to make it. You know, he got packing too much weight now. That's too much weight you got to work off. Now look at it. But he's he slimmed down, got himself in shape, and he looks he's a hell of a player now. So kudos to him. Rockets are jacking up threes at an, at an amazing clip. It took sixty some odd threes in a game, set an NBA record. That's not my style of play. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's winning for them. It's successful right now. I'm accepting but it. I just don't. I'm gonna say that right now. I'm accepting it. There's too many three pointers in in ball games now. I just, just I just in this wave of the. Rockets going to another level of it. Even I mean, Golden State doesn't take 53s a game like the Rockets. Rockets is jacking up threes. Rockets shooting, I think, 12 more threes per game than the next team in the average team in it. Uh, my, in my question is, how long can that last? Well, Tuesday versus the Spurs. The Spurs, that was a perfect example. The Spurs got a mo- ran off three-point line. Rockets made six threes out of 38 attempts. They were six of 38. Now, and we watched them crash at the end of the game. And the and the Literally. Rockets blew a thirteen point lead down the stretch. They crashed. They should have won that game. Though. So yeah, they they crashed. And let me let me Which say this. To me, it's scary in a lot of ways. Some people look at that differently from the standpoint. If you can shoot that bad and still have a thirteen point lead in the game and come to the point where most folks think a free throw here and there and you win that game. It was okay. I'm I mean, just saying it, it, in that, terms of what they're doing. Oh they yeah, should have won that game. Okay. So I, I think some people would argue about in terms of success, pure success. Right. Not whether you like the style, not whether it works in the playoffs, but in terms of what they're doing in the regular season, they're winning games. I think also I think that uh, as people are looking so much on the offensive side of the ball, I think they're playing much better. Oh, their defense, defense is much better than I thought it would be. No question. Oh, no. I, 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 that's where a lot of the credit is that, that we're not really focused on is somehow he has been playing – much better defense, which we thought we wouldn't see with a, these a, players. A key to that. I don't know. Is, you you tell me. Cause Patrick Beverly, he's healthy, he's focused, he's locked in. His defense is just, it makes them go. And you got Montrez Harrell taking charges, coming off the bench, giving them a spark. Now he's playing starters minutes right now because Clint Capella's out for at least four weeks with a broken bone in his leg. Is it broke? But he's a chip oh. bone, so it's broken. So, but their defense, team defense, is much better now. Individually, they're they're doing a good job of hiding it, hiding the defense deficiencies of some right. of the individuals. But that's what good teams do. But their loss to the Spurs, they turned it over I think, eight times in the fourth quarter. I think the Spurs, the Spurs didn't play well, but they ended up winning the ball game. And Jonathan Simmons put defense on James Harden on the last second three point attempt. The the uh, Instagram post that I uh, of the uh, final shot that the last three point uh, two point seven seconds is the is still getting views on my Instagram account at Houston Round Bar views up to two thousand now. So that's that's the most I've had on an Instagram clip because folks are chiming and saying, asking my question, was it a foul or not a foul? And some folks saying yes, it, he was foul. Some folks saying me, my ref buddy said no, it wasn't a foul. It's good no call. But Houston Round Bar View, check it out on Instagram. Check me out on HoustonRoundBarView.com. Houston Round Bar View on YouTube. Check us out on, on our Facebook, KG, Beautiful Wildcat, and Doc on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, at VHRReview. Wildcat's going to tell you how you can, can uh, catch him on the Internet right now, sir. Facebook, Twitter, tweet that. Uh, J.L. Woodley Jr. J. J.L. Woodley 1, I'm sorry, and Jerry L. Woodley Jr. on Blogger, SoundCloud, YouTube, 
AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. Doc? Doc? Yes, you can find me on the Facebook, social media platforms of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's Doc Kenyatta-Caville, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Um, you can go to my website, THG-Agency.com, get your updates on the HBCU reports. We'll get into some basketball top five teams in the country. Also, uh, you can get a link to where you can go to SoundCloud in regards to our podcast available of our live show that comes on every Tuesday on KSOH TV. Um, KSOH in terms of tuning app. And that is 97.9, excuse me, 92.9 FM HD2, that's KKBQ, 92.9, say it again, uh, where you can listen to the show live. Again, if you can't catch it live, you can go to the podcast at SoundCloud at Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. You can follow me on Facebook and go to Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab and you can catch the live broadcast as we put it on there uh, so you can review what we do in the studio if you want to catch a visual of the show um that should do it about uh, a little bit of everything we're doing i do want to talk about today shout out to dr jeremy cheeks out of alabama AM sports professor he was here earlier this week working on a textbook we're trying to get ready and had dr Kanye's at university of houston professor of african-american studies supporting what we're doing reviewing some items for us um so we have some big plans the program is Moving forward, we'll start our, and when I say the program, I'm talking about Texas Southern University Sport Management Program. We move forward with our uh, undergraduate program, and we're excited about our pilot program for our masters, where we'll offer two classes this spring before we go full blast in the fall. And so we have a uh, adjunct professor coming on huh. uh, that I'm excited about what he's going to bring to okay. the table. Uh, so I think uh, we're, we're, we're at the level where we're going to be really taking the next step. So I'm really excited about those things. And that is Ashley D. Walt. Uh, he owns his own company and what he does with sports media. So I think really on the tech, a lot, technology side. So I'm excited what he brings to the table. So I'm excited about, again, what we were able to do in 2016. And I look forward to 2017. Uh, a lot of things in store. A lot of good things going on. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. And uh, props to you on, on what you've done and what you'll continue to do in the future. In the On our next on a future podcast, we're going to delve into uh, the NBA, the new CBA, once it's signed and ratified between the owners and the players. Yeah. Because it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet. An agreement's been got that done. thankfully good for those. Yeah, the, 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 the money being talked is, yeah, yeah, is yeah, outstanding. Yeah. We're going to get in more details about that yeah, in so future podcast. I had some numbers for uh, individual maxing out off the chart. It'll 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 open up some eyes to some people. Wow! But uh, it's a good thing. It's a good say, thing. It's free market. I'll tell you what, it's good to be is, an is, NBA is a, player. A, a player, a superstar player. Yeah, it's a good thing. Middle class player, <laughs> we'll we'll see. But yeah. uh, superstars, yes. And so, like I said, we'll talk about more of that in the future. Last thing. And I'll be able to give you an update on Monday. I mean, next week when we podcast. I'm sneaking down Monday and getting to Jerry World. i watch the game down there, take my brother to the game, and just wish him a good <laughs> holiday weekend. So I'll be down there. Good. 
Yeah, Doc. So for all you Cowboys fans around here, I can give them an update to see if they... Wear your shirt. Wear your podcast shirt. Oh, you know I will. So, so yeah. No doubt about that. Because so, yeah. plus, I had mine on. You know so, good. I ain't had no problem with that. I did wear it in Atlanta. Good, good, Thank good. you, Doc. I really do appreciate that. So, if so, I had been there... So, I that means... So, I'm putting all of us on air, on blast. So, that means it's up to us to do a better job in 2017 about being more consistent in, hey, in, in podcasts. Okay, so no, and in, in, in podcast, okay, yeah, yeah, on a, on oh, yeah, a more yeah, consistent yeah, regular yeah. basis. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. last thing I want to say, I want to say, well, two things: Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah. Season greetings to, to everyone. Um, I want to acknowledge the uh, passing of Craig Sager. Yeah, who um, legend was a legend in in, in broadcasting, hell of a reporter, and, and if you've seen the tributes and everything, you all around, you nice saw guy. how he was. The first person to interview Henry Aaron after Henry Aaron bo- broke Babe Ruth's record, interviewed him on the field after 7:15, and everybody knows him who, who follows basketball and watches the games on that, TNT Turner Sports. But I had the opportunity to spend time with Craig Sager for years ago at a Be local careful, establishment. Be careful. Be careful. Uh, it, was a game, it was a day, but night before. Because I'm not mentioning it, <laughs> Night before a Rockets game, I think Rockets played the Bulls. We was, I think it's for my, my, for my birthday, actually. But um, just happened to be there at uh, Sam's Boat. He bought us a, round, a couple of rounds of drinks. Yeah, he that kind of guy now. So uh, we had a good time talking to him and spending time with him. And uh, he's telling us stories about um, college teammates and roommates and NBA stories. So it's uh, and it's always it was always good to see him in town uh, for NBA TV or Turner Sports. And last time I, sp- I spoke to him was earlier this year, and he didn't remember me or the, right. the Sam's boat night, but I, I, I reminded him of it, and and, uh, and he said, Sam's boat, is that place still open? And so you could tell he's been there a few times before, <laughs> so I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not mentioning my date. So, uh, I'm not mentioning my, my hangout. So he, he is, you know, he, he was just a, a, a great person. He was he was friendly to everybody. He, he never met a stranger. No. I mean, he, he was oh, friendly to no. everyone. And, and I just want to say may he rest in peace. Condolences to his uh, his family, his kids, his wife, his relatives and friends, and, and, and everyone uh, whose life he touched. Cause he, was a, he was a great person. Just a short time that I had a chance to interact with him and, and talk to him every so often, shoot around and things like that. So may he rest in peace. Rest peacefully, Mr. Craig Sager. I'm going to wrap it up. Wrap up this podcast, as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.